You're listening to the main theme from WWF European Rampage Tour, released sometime in 1992, composed by Andy McGinty. Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, it is Bedroth. What are you sending me? What's up, man? It's me. It is. It's Bedroth. I'm, I'm back again, Welcome as back. always. Welcome yeah, back. Thank you. Sitting there messaging me as I was doing the intro. I was like, what are you sending me? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just want to forget. I just I had a um, small addition to my first track that's coming up in a little bit. No worries. No worries. We'll get to that. We'll get to everything. But before we do, real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whichever app you chose to listen to us on. I'll throw a start. You know what? I'll start saying Spotify as well. Drops quick rating into review. Really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers. See what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, tosses a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zanku. No new comments to go over on the episode today. Um, Bedroth, you missed one comment. Uh, you'll have to go back and listen to it. I did it with Kyle on the Marvel Spider-Man 2 episode, which, because we're actually recording a day early, has not posted yet. Uh... Which also means I am fully caught up again, which is a great feeling. Yeah, man. Which Impressive I turnaround time on that hospital episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that didn't take too long. Um, but yeah, we are we are fully caught up. Uh, go back and listen to the episode that I did with Kyle on Marvel Spider-Man 2. That soundtrack is very cinematic, but it's super cool. Um, and Kyle had a lot of things to say on on Spider-Man 2. We actually talked longer than I thought we would because he had so much to say. Um, but it was really fun, so make sure you go check that out. But since we don't have any new comments to go over, um, I will mention something, I guess, that's been mentioned elsewhere, depending on how many of these types of shows you listen to in this niche of a podcasting scene. Because uh, I know a few other people have mentioned it. I personally, you know, it is what it is. But I'll bring it up because BG Mania is also now affected. Um, certain episodes may disappear off the feed. I have no control over it. If Spotify deems the episode doesn't follow their content creation, whatever, 
then the episode just disappears. Uh, since we host through Anchor.fm, which is owned by Spotify, if the episode disappears, it disappears from everywhere, not just Spotify. We've lost three episodes, uh, three older episodes, so I don't really care. Episode one, bonus episode five, and episode 15. I guess losing episode one kind of sucks, but I don't know that anyone would go back and listen to episode one. Uh, you know, it's interesting. First episodes of podcast, I found... I don't know that I would want to go back and listen to episode one. It fucking sucked. That's, that is very true. I would not want to go back and listen to my first episode. Uh, very good music. I should delete that... all the first 50 episodes because they're, they're all bad. <laughs> I should do Spotify a favor and just delete those first 50. Well, what's, what's funny is that that first episode is... It is a big one, you know. It's it's one that a lot of people do tend to go back to, and I I'm embarrassed every time because, like you said, it's <laughs> it's not the best production value. So, but yeah, and I mean, I guess if anyone does really want these episodes, you know, I know you've got backups. So. I have backups, um, <laughs> but what if we run of? We'll never run out of ideas for future new content. But what if we did, and then we just started remastering some of our older episodes? Oh yeah, like go back to the exact same playlist and just like re-record. Literally, just do the episode again. (laughs) Hey man, like you said, we'll never run out of ideas. But no, but that is that is something that you know I I would much rather do that than putting back up the content that gets deleted because. It's not that big of a deal, right? Like, yeah, these episodes are a podcast. They have shelf life. They have lengthy tales. People can listen to these whenever. That's cool. But I think a majority of our particular audience, which, again, there are several of you out there. Um, I see the numbers again each week. And it's right around the same amount, the same several hundred that seem to consume the episodes within the first few days. And then from there, it trickles, right? So I'm good with that. You guys listen. I know you guys like re-listening, some of you more than others. Uh, Martin, he's still out there over in Ireland. He listens to that Emotions and Sadness episode like once a month. If that ever gets deleted, he's going to have yeah. a meltdown. <laughs> well, just uh, if it does, Martin, you know you know where to find us. So. <laughs> <laughs> but BG Mania stance, listen to the damn episodes when they post. If they get deleted, oh well. If you want a copy, let me know. I'll get you a copy. But if they get deleted for now, oh well. If it starts happening more frequently, like if we're losing episodes every couple days or whatever, right? Just dropping left and right, then yeah, I'll make a switch. But if it's just a few episodes here and there, I don't really care. Yep, I concur. I concur. But uh, this week, we are out of the spooky season as we were last week with Spider-Man 2. But uh, I think even more so since Spider-Man, you know, superhero kind of still in the vein of Halloween because you can dress up as superheroes. Yeah, dress us up and fight scary guys. You know? We are completely <laughs> out of that realm this week on the show as we and I am properly prepared. I went outside and I smoked A lot. Now, granted, (laughs) it's been about an hour since I did that because someone restarted their PC and it took them 30 minutes to come back. And then um, we should start a GoFundMe to get a Bedroth a new PC. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm down with it, man. I won't even be ashamed to ask for the money because I've got five kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But uh, I st- I'm still actually going strong. The buzz is still there. I can still feel it. And I'm properly prepared because 
I knew the potential that this episode would bring due to the composers that I had a feeling we would feature. Now, I knew for sure who I was bringing, but, well, I guess I technically also knew because I put this shit together, like the show notes. So I knew exactly who you were bringing. I knew this show had potential to uh, maybe even be something special. We'll have to see what happens by the time we get to the end. Oh, I think it's going to be very special. I have been, I've been low-key excited about this for a while. Then I think I got even more excited after I talked to Barry, after we talked to Barry. And then once I started really looking into it, which was like I over a month of, ago, I think you told me. Yeah. And then I kind of took my tack, uh, you know, like I do sometimes when there's a, a whole bunch of things to listen to, I'll kind of narrow my focus so I don't go crazy. I have been so excited, so excited about this. Um, but we haven't even mentioned what we're talking about. What are we talking about this week? man? Ocean software, which should sound familiar to anyone that did listen to our uh, Barry episode, right? Yep, because that was he a big part frequented of there for yeah. several years. That was a formative place for him. Uh, made some connections, most uh, most specifically with Dean Evans, who he was with, and Keith Tinman, who were there with him at the same time. But he mentioned working in the old uh, at, at the old desk of Martin Galway, who was one of the you know the the founding you know European composers, especially in the UK, and uh, someone who we will be we will be visiting later on in the episode. Yeah, I would have been shocked if you didn't have something too. from him. I would have been shocked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we also talked this year about, I think that was this year, about Matt Furness. We did our it was. focus on him. It was this year. And so he'll be popping up. Uh, Dean, who we just mentioned. Uh, Chris Hulesbeck, who is also definitely well-known um, among VGM fans. I am really excited about this episode. Man. Yeah, I think this one's going to be good. Um, <laughs> it's going to be different. It's going yep. to sound very different. I think... Yeah, uh, so much of it is... Yeah. Western. Well, Western and the uniqueness of the composers that tended to frequent ocean. I think yes. we're going to bring a very unique but specific blend of that to this episode. Um, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> and one thing I'm also excited about is uh, I did this really like specifically on purpose because I wanted some diversity here, but because of the years that Ocean was so was really productive as a publisher, and we are doing Ocean published games, not just Ocean developed games. I want to yeah, I didn't you know, make that pretty clear. Either um, or, one of mine in particular was definitely not developed by Ocean. Uh, it has, uh, I think, it's the only track maybe that has Japanese composers on it. But it, it is published in the UK or in the you know in Europe in Power regions by ocean so um but yeah i i what i was starting to say is that we have a real mix of consoles here including some that don't get featured quite as frequently and that i am really excited about yeah super cool i know i tried to spread mine out too but i think i did as i tend to do on some of these episodes go a bit heavy on the amiga um but that's all right it's a big one yeah yeah the amiga right. and the snes were really where ocean i think shone the brightest and uh there were a couple of tracks that I had to kill from the SNES because I um I, I I have my favorite on this list and but they're they're both really really classic pretty well known for people who listen to a lot of EGM podcasts they've been played before on several shows they'll be showing up on Radio Hour this month so but I'll talk about that when we get to my SNES track very nice okay you have an SNES oh you do have an SNES track that's right um I kicked off this show with an Amiga track. 
Again, we listened to the main theme from WWF European Rampage Tour, releasing sometime in 1992. I think a lot of the games, especially on my list, Bedroth's list actually has some like at least months here and there. But you got some full dates as well. Most of mine are just sometime this year, but sometime in 1992. (laughs) And it was composed by Andy with an I, McGinty. I picked this because of the first 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you submitted your seven, I saw, yeah, you had one that was like 18 minutes, but I saw that it was broken up and it was the full soundtrack. So I knew you were just picking one of those tracks. But the closeout that you brought is legit 11 minutes long. So I assumed when I saw that at the end, I was like, okay, I'll find something for the beginning. And then I just was exploring around. Of course, I saw, you know, I I knew Oceanhead did some work on some older WWF games. So I checked out those soundtracks and then I just heard the start and I was like, oh, oh, well, there's the opening. I don't have to keep searching. (laughs) Yep. Welcome that's, to that's the show. Cool. When you find the perfect like opener or closure for yeah. a show. It's, Welcome it's to cool the show. Game. The show began uh, however, however many long ago that was, like 13 minutes ago, 12 minutes ago, something like that. <laughs> hey, man, that's really that's not as long as some of our intros <laughs> have been lately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but the rest of the track after the, the fun of the first like 10 seconds or so, it, it's pretty basic. It doesn't do anything special. Um, you know, simple melody, just, you know what it reminds me of? Kinda. Now that I'm listening to it again, um, some of the music in Super Off-Road on the SNES. Oh yeah, that too. That too. Some of that Tommy, uh, not, no, uh, not Tommy, uh, Tim Fallen stuff. Yeah. Well, definitely Obviously in that 90s sort of. not the same caliber, but. That, that like post-prog grunge-ish, uh, era of the early 90s. Yeah. Um, similar years, I, probably. I, I mentioned... I mentioned to you that it reminded me of the uh, soundtrack that Green Jelly did for uh, Spider-Man Venom Separation Anxiety. On the yeah. Yes. Uh, got that sort of chugging sound, you know. It does. It does. Uh, also, this was, you know, licensed. Licensed to not in the same way as a movie or a show, but, you know, by, by WWF, now WWE. Um, and I mentioned to you that I didn't have any licensed tracks, and then I realized that my first track is actually licensed. But <laughs> yeah, I know. But are, are not. Um and quite a few, uh, quite a few of mine are, but I do have some non-licensed right. tracks as well. Well, and so many of the ocean um, games, the, the ocean soundtracks that were just really, really great, were from licensed games, which is kind of crazy. And in fact, the two tracks that I mentioned, cutting, were from licensed games. And so, uh, but yeah, but I'm excited though about my my first one because this this movie is really special to me. All right. And, well, I don't have anything else to say on the old main theme from European Rampage Tour because you know it doesn't really. Don't, it doesn't really do anything special. Um, but let's get into your first block then. Good opener, though. A yeah. long block. Very good choice. Long block. Yeah, this, this does have potential to be a pretty beefy block. Each of these tracks is around five or six minutes. So definitely, you know, let it let it ride. Uh, lean into it like, um, like Brian's going to do. <laughs> and... Uh, but yeah, back. we're going to start things off with my only licensed track of the episode, and uh, the only track I, th- I think on the episode from the ZX Spectrum, That's which correct. we also did an episode about uh, uh, this year or last year. And this is really, really cool. Um, the, this is from the Spectrum adaptation of the game Short Circuit. 
this game, this uh, the movie Short Circuit. This movie had three different adaptations across the C64, the Specky, and I think want to say the Amstrad CPC and all three games and all three soundtracks were different but all three soundtracks were composed by um you know I'm thinking of somebody else never mind different game um uh, I was actually not able to find who composed any of these Brian was able to find that this particular version was composed by well you know what I'll just read it in and then we can get into the music How about that <laughs> So we're going to start off my first block with title slash in-game music from Short Circuit, released sometime in 1987 and composed by Fred Gray.
up in this block, we're going to listen to Into the Unknown from Epic, the unreleased Amiga CD-ROM version composed by Dean Evans. Thank you. 
Closing out my first block, we're going to listen to Clouds from Mr. Nuts, released August 1994, composed by Rafael Gesqua and arranged by Matt Furness. Coming back in, we are first talking about the ZX Spectrum version of Short Circuit, uh, composed by Fred Gray. And uh, yeah, man, what did you think of this little track? <laughs> so this is not something I'm familiar with, the movie or the game. Uh, the the character that we see here on the title kind of reminds me of Rob, the NES. Oh yeah, um, Rob was totally inspired. Yeah, by, but by he's number Johnny Five. <laughs> he's got a little little hat in his one hand and his instruction manual in the other. Um, this is super unique and kind of what I was talking about when I when I had a, a feeling that this episode would have a particular sound to it. Um, man, that ZX Spectrum episode we did a while ago was really good. And this particular sound, I don't know what it is about it. I don't have a lot of nostalgia, as we've talked about, right, for the Spectrum. Uh, just because it wasn't super popular over here. But this sound is super unique and I've always really enjoyed it. I'm not familiar with Fred Gray, but I think he did a really good job here. Um, 
This is super dope. Yeah, according to the YouTube comments, uh, which is where you found out that he did this version, um, he also did some stuff on the Commodore 64 that is apparently somewhat similar. The Speccy and the C64 had, had some, some similar sound capabilities, although the C64 SID chip was a lot more versatile in the long run. But um, yeah, Martin Galway, I want to mention, did the C64 version of Short Circuit, but it was a completely different soundtrack. So this was not an arrangement. This was an original composition. So um, all three versions I listened to were, were good. This one was my favorite and also gave me a chance to play some Spectrum. Uh, like you, I really I really like the Speckies sound. It's uh, Yeah, it's unique. Um, it's it's really cool. Short Circuit was uh, I watched this movie with my dad probably five or six times when I was growing up. Uh, and I don't remember like anybody who's in it uh, as far as the humans go. But the robot that you see here um, is uh, number five. Uh, that he was just the fifth prototype of like this line of, of you know tread robots, and he gets struck by lightning and <laughs> becomes sentient, and he names himself Johnny. So he's Johnny Five. <laughs> okay. And the story is just about him sort of figuring out. You know, it, it's kind of like a Frosty the Snowman type thing. Him figuring out what kind of person he is, and also being the subject of like you know the government that's trying to to find him because he's he is a weapon. That that's a that's like a shoulder-mounted cannon that you see on his back. Okay, um, okay, okay. And uh, so they're trying to get him back, but he doesn't. He doesn't want to be a weapon. He just wants to be a, a cool guy and and um, be alive. That's his thing. He wants to be alive. And so it, it's a really cool movie. And I haven't watched it in a while, but I might have to dig it out and see how it holds up. But yeah. I'd be curious because a lot of those movies, some of them do, some of them don't, from that time period. I will say I think the main the main human character one of the two the the two or three main human characters is a total like Indian American stereotype and so that probably doesn't hold up super well. I don't even know that he was played by an Indian actor. So Okay, fair. That's not great either, but um but the movie itself, the story and um, uh, Johnny Five's developments through the movie. Was, well, hey, if Disney really can cool. make Snow White and the Seven Unique People, then they can have a non-Indian actor playing an Indian <laughs> person. <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, <laughs> moving moving on to. Um, I, I think this is this the only Amiga CD game that we have on the list. I we've got some different Amiga. Believe games. so. Yes. Yeah, talking about Epic, this is the game that you said you almost uh, chose something from before yeah. you saw that I had picked it. Yeah, I had listened to a Was few things. Was there a particular things. track that you were leaning towards? No, I had just listened to, so I had listened to, because I was confused, right, when I was talking to you before we started recording, because when I had listened to this and when I had found out some stuff on it, David Whitaker was credited as the composer. Um, I did come across Dean stuff as well, but I didn't, again, I didn't really look into it much. I just had some stuff saved on my playlist that I use as potentials. But, um, no, I'm glad you brought this because this is sick. This <laughs> yeah, is sick. this is really cool, man. It's And after we talked about it and kind of got through the confusion of who did what, I remembered Barry talking about the, the Amiga CD version of this. And this may actually have been one of those that he talked about kind of trading back and forth with Dean, although Dean doesn't mention that in any of the YouTube comments, but... We know that he, that they they did some of that, but uh, this is the unreleased Amiga CD version of the. Um, I think this was like a like a shooter game, epic, uh, like a space shooter, um, a cockpit shooter type game. 
uh, David Whitaker did do the like the base Amiga version, but uh, Dean composed an original soundtrack for the CD-ROM version that uh, he mentions on one of the one of the tracks. That uh, a bunch of tracks were written for it, but the game never saw the light of day. He's got like four that he has uploaded to YouTube, um, and the whole soundtrack that he's uploaded is only like 18 minutes long. So I would and I imagine it's it. all freaking sick. It is. It's all amazing. Um, I would definitely recommend everybody go go check this out. Uh, it's easy to find. Um, Amiga CD, Epic, uh, Dean Evans, you know, you'll find it. Uh, he says here that these tracks are written way back in 1992, just after I started working at Ocean Software. They were the very first tracks that I had written using synths, and so they are awash in reverb and other effects, and dated, and poorly mixed, and oh, I've got a long list of excuses here. (laughs) Um, And of course, all the comments are like, what are you talking about? This is amazing. Um, He says, at the time, we didn't have many synths at Ocean, so... I brought my old Roland U20 keyboard into work, and all of these tracks were written using that. Uh, These pieces have never been heard before, so try to enjoy. Um, I also want to recommend, uh, in particular, the track Flying has a really cool uh, trumpet uh, instrument that is is just wild. But in the end, I went with Into the Unknown. Uh, Does not sound anything like the track from Frozen 2. (laughs) (laughs) But it does, uh, as as we all know, I like to say, this track does definitely go some places. Oh, it certainly <laughs> does. I mean, it's Dean Evans, so, you know, we got a six-minute track here that definitely doesn't loop, from what I could tell. It just continues to do multiple different things, and, man, I freaking love it. The two-minute, 25-second mark is when the first hint of the, like, synthesized female vocals come in, and then they come back a little bit later as well. Oh, dude, it's it's glorious. I love it. Yeah, really love that part. Really love that part. And I'm glad we're going to get to listen to some Amiga CD Dean Evans and also some SNES Dean Evans. Yeah, I have um, one of like his a, more popular tracks later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, like I said earlier, those are really the two systems that I... Well, the Amiga CD and the Amiga and the SDS were all the ones that I think Ocean really uh, had some of it, their best work on, uh, music-wise, at least. And, and, you know, some of their games for the SNES were actually pretty good. Other ones, not so much. But uh, that was, you know... Um, that was part of the course for some of these some of these third party developers, but <laughs> man, this this whole soundtrack though, fantastic. I really, really am hoping that when we eventually do our Dean Evans focus that we can we can get him on the show. Barry said he might try to help us get get in touch with him. That would be really cool. Yeah, we'll have to uh see what we can scrounge together. That'd be fun. Yeah, then uh, closing out my first block, coming up on another composer who we have definitely talked about before. Uh, Matt Furness did the arrangement of this track that was originally composed for the SNES by Rafael Gesqua. Um, this was arranged for the Mega Drive, or, you know, the Genesis as we know it here. Talking about clouds from the game Mr. Nuts. Ah, the and, classic uh, <laughs> Mr. Nuts. Yes, the classic. Um, one of those animal platformers, you know, that, that they were trying to cash in on. And on the Sega box art, he's even standing exactly like Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, like, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. literally the same model, just a squirrel. Yeah, a squirrel <laughs> instead of a hedgehog. Yeah, it's... Um, and I, I, I don't remember anything at all about this game. I played my share of mascot platformers back then, but I don't remember anything about this one. I will say, though, this soundtrack is really cool, and there was a sequel to this game as well. Mr. I don't Nuts remember 2? The subtitle, but yeah, Mr. Nuts 2. There was a sequel, <laughs> and that soundtrack is also is also good. 
but the original, this one and the SNES version are both, both really, really solid. So yeah, I would also encourage people to go check those out. But yeah, this is my, my only, I think our, our only, again, our only Genesis track. Yeah, it is actually. Glad you had a Genesis track because... It's, it's probably been a little bit, I think, since we've actually had a Genesis track on the show. Um, thinking back, you know, we haven't had a Genesis track and in I mean, a while. We know Matt Furness really knew his way around the Genesis sound. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of what we played on that focus on him was Genesis music and for very good reason. But I'm not familiar with Mr. Nuts. I do think this soundtrack sounds interesting. Um, I do want to check more of it out, but I don't know anything about this. Um, I also am not familiar with Raphael Gesqua either. That is not a name I think, I don't think I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I wonder what his story is. Um, I'm not finding anything really about him. Oh, here we go. Okay. French composer, arranger, and sound designer. Uh, he's got a band camp. Okay. So he's apparently still doing something if this is the same guy. Yeah, began in the video games industry in the early 1990s. Um, and he was previously known um, as Audio Monster in the 16-bit demo scene. So he was involved in that. But yeah, it looks like he may have been a like a freelance composer. I don't see that he was specifically like working for Ocean, but he did you know work on some things for the Amiga. Uh, this, oh, maybe the reason that we don't know much about this, uh, oh no, that was a different, different, different track. So, hmm, interesting. Great success, this game was apparently a great success and went out of stock just days after its release. So it's apparently fairly rare. (laughs) Okay, people were nuts about Mr. Nuts, so fair. They were. Cool. They were. Uh, okay, he entirely composed and arranged the music for Shaq Fu. (laughs) Oh no. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not maybe not one of the ones you want on your resume, but he didn't do a whole lot else video game wise. Yeah, um, Shaq Fu scared him off the industry. I don't blame him. There you go. I may go look up some of these games, but yeah, it all looks like shovelware. But he is still composing things. He did, in the last couple years, he did um, for the Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and Steam, Asterix and Obelix slapped them all, uh, New Joe and Mac, and Flashback 2. Okay. So he is still out there doing his thing. So Raphael Gesqua. Very cool. Good on him. That's awesome. Yeah, that was my first block. A little Specky, little Amiga CD, and a little bit of Genesis. And yeah, really, really nice, I think, spread of what the, the kinds of sounds I think we can expect on today's episode. All right. Well, that being said, shall we go to another system that we haven't featured yet today? I would love to. And I believe the only feature of this particular... Nope, never mind. Your closeout is also the Commodore. My closeout. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But this particular track, we've technically played before, but not this version, not this system, and not this name. (laughs) So back during the... I want to say it was the Naoki Kodaka episode. Um... I think you may have brought in a track because you were on that episode or at least no, you submitted things for that episode. I submitted things and had like an audio testimony because I couldn't actually make it. Yeah, but I think during that episode. No, so it couldn't have been that episode because you weren't there. During an episode where you were there, you and I talked about Platoon. I swear we did. 
and like comparing maybe the like the movies episode that we did maybe because uh i was talking about oh maybe it was on that episode then where that track featured it it wasn't the nuke because we played the high score theme from platoon on the nes which was composed by naoki kodaka um i just don't remember what episode that was on maybe it was on the movies episode i don't really know but during that particular time you and i had discussed the idea of because Platoon, when it released, had multiple different composers for each version, kind of like, you know, we've discovered now multiple ocean games that are similar. But uh, David Whitaker doing the Amiga version, Jonathan Dunn doing the Commodore 64, uh, 64 version and Naoki Kodaka, the NES, we were going to like maybe compare on one episode. Um I don't know that we'll ever do that. So instead, I just brought it here. So we're going to kick this block off by taking a listen to, and in the Commodore version, it's not the high score theme. It's the name entry theme. So we're going to take a listen to name entry from Platoon. This released sometime in 1987. And again, it was composed by Jonathan Dunn. Next, we're going to take a listen to Inferno from Inferno, released sometime in 1994, composed by Barry Leach, an alien sex fiend.
closing out this block, we're going to take a listen to Theme from Battle Command. This released sometime in 1990, and it was composed by Chris Hulsbeck and Heiko Rootman. Coming back in, we are first talking about Name Entry from Platoon, again released sometime in 1987, composed, and originally composed, and we figured out as we were listening to it, did some research, so Jonathan Dunn would have had to have been the original composer of Platoon, because it's the one that released first. 
So Naoki Kodaka and David Whitaker just adapted this for the Amiga and NES, respectively, which is cool. I think the Commodore version actually has more emotion in it due to the way some of the uh, grittiness that the notes have in the Commodore sound chip, right? Like, they, they just sound more raw. And I think that that elevates the emotion that this track does have. And I always thought that the NES version Naoki Kodaka did was super emotional as well. I think we even talked about that, which we also confirmed was in our 1987 episode. Um, I really dig this track, dude. I enjoyed bringing it again. Yeah, for sure. And Jonathan Dunn is another name that's just a a really big one uh, in the European scene and very emotional composer. He he has a really well-known track for Robocop on the Game Boy. Oh, dude, one of my favorite video game tracks. Oh, than it has any right to be. Oh, good. And yeah, he was really, really good at squeezing that emotion out of um, out of some chips that were were might have been kind of hard to do it, but. You know, the SID chip, like I've said, on the C64 is really super diverse. Um, you could do a lot with it, as as you'll hear later in the episode. But, but yeah, man, this was really, really nice. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And, of course, Platoon, another licensed game from Ocean, based on the 1986 movie of the same name, which I've never seen. Um, yeah, I mean, they're actually. I haven't yeah. seen this one. And I've never played this game, but I assume it is a war game. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it is really interesting that they decided to make a video game, which at this time were largely marketed toward kids, about a, a definitely like R-rated, you know, basically war protest. I think this was before the ESRB though, right? So this wouldn't have had like an M rating or anything like that. Right, no, it wouldn't have been, but just for marketing reasons, like... It's it's a weird it's a weird one. It's not like in like Rambo, you know. I mean, First Blood that was different. First Blood was was not uh, like an action like super. It wasn't it wasn't action forward. It was a lot more of a drama. Uh, the other Rambo movies were definitely more more action heavy, and so that's a little bit different as a franchise. Same thing with RoboCop, Terminator, but but this is a uh, it's a war drama, and it, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it would translate well. But you know, they made all kinds of stuff back then. They did. At least we got some good music out. That's of it. true. And apparently the gameplay kind of varied. Um, I don't know if we talked about it last time. Four stages. Stage one is side-scrolling. Stage two is first-person shooter. Stage three deals with some sort of, like, enemy AI that's trying to take over your bunker. And you have to use flares to, like, shoot it. And then... Almost power defense. Yeah. Stage four is third-person. So it kind of kind of does something different in each stage. Um, which may have been unique at the time back in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, not a whole lot of genre-bending games back then. Yeah, so, super cool. Very cool, man. The middle track we listened to, that came to us from Inferno. The title of the track, from what I can tell, is just Inferno. It was released sometime in 1994, and it was composed by Barry Leach, an alien sex fiend. Yes, yeah, he mentioned uh, being a fan of theirs and that he was really excited getting to work with them. Um, he, he did not actually, we, we didn't bring a track from Inferno for that episode, or he did not pick one for us, but he did talk about how much he enjoyed this uh, composing for this one. Uh, also, the sequel to Epic that we heard in my first block. Yeah, absolutely, which is super cool. Um, Alien Sex Fiend is an English gothic rock band. They're formed or based out of London. And the two individuals in the group are Nick Fiend and Mrs. Fiend. Yep, husband and husband wife. Husband and wife, yeah. Wrote. 
those were their uh, their stage names. There were some other people in the band from time to time, but seems like they are the main two. Yeah, this is so this crazy. is wild. I love <laughs> I love it. Love I mean, it's it so much. it's so Barry, right? But. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's it's very industrial and oh dude, it's so good. It's so good. It's industrial, but it's also got that like vapor wave down to it. Um It does. It does. It, it's it's a real mix of of genres, which again is also very berry. It just you like you pick the stuff that sounded good. And I love those like very eighties sounding drums. Uh, yeah. And, and the, then the vocals come and the in, echoes. And just, I was gonna say the echoes too. Yeah, yeah. super campy, and I love and it. And then you get that around the minute fifty-ish mark, minute fifty-five. There's that like I don't know really what instrument that is. I guess it, it's not a piano, but it's that thing that I was like, oh, that's my favorite part. It's the run, and then it goes really like back into the more melodic piece again. So good. There are so many instruments here. That yeah, I have no idea what they're using. There's just so many things in this track. It's a that is some kind of string instrument. It sounds kind of like a cross between some generic Japanese strummed instrument and also a little bit like a hammered dulcimer. Um, which I could definitely hear a dulcimer being played like this. Dulcimer is one of my favorite instruments. It's really cool. It's like the string instrument that you hit with mallets. Um, so yeah, really, really different kind of instruments. But uh, just, this is just so freaking rad. I love the drums and the percussion. I, I heard a ratchet in there at one point. Um, just, just so freaking cool. And I'm really glad you brought this, man. Yeah, I was super... Barry, if you're still out there listening, <laughs> bravo, man, bravo. I was excited to find this one. Again, I knew I wanted to bring something from Barry. I, he had to be on this episode. Um, of course. Yeah. And I didn't want to bring something from a game that we covered while we talked about him. So I was looking at some of the other things and just started listening to this soundtrack. And this was like the second or third track I listened to. And I just fell in love with this one. Yeah, uh, well, I did too. This is... So far, this is my track of show. Wow. Um, okay. Nice. Really, really enjoy it. it. It's close. It's close. I really, really liked my uh, my epic. The epic track, track yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like the next one in this block. But yeah, so far, you were digging it. Uh, from the first half, this is, I think, my track. Okay, fair. Yeah, other than that, I've never played Inferno. Uh, it was a DOS game that came out back in 94. Another space shooter, right? I mean, it's the sequel to um, Epic. The actual full name of this game is Inferno The Odyssey Continues, but it's actually just Inferno, what everyone calls it, I guess. Um, but yeah, actually uses the same engine as a game that we did talk about with Barry, TFX. Oh, what a great soundtrack. TFX. Oh, so good. In fact, I actually did listen to some, some TFX for this, but since you, you just mentioned, since we talked about it with Barry, I, I thought enough. Yeah, that's but fair. That's fair. It is. Um, okay, well, the last track in that block, we listened to Theme from Battle Command, which was released sometime in 1990 and was composed by Chris Hulsbeck and Heiko Rootman, which Heiko Rootman was a name that I wasn't super familiar with, so I had to do a little bit of like research and digging. Um, the first game ever that he composed was Pro Tennis Tour back in 1989 for the DOS, and then just kind of did some various things that I've never heard of between then and the mid to late 90s on either the Amiga, the Atari, or DOS, or Windows 3.x. <laughs> Battle Isle 2220. I will say, 
haven't heard of uh, of Heiko Rootman. Um, Chris Hulsbeck obviously is one we have. Absolutely, heard of, yeah. And um, we're going to be hearing from again very very soon. But I'm looking at another. We may have a live correction here, and we can fact check this. One of the YouTube comments says, "As much as I like Chris Hulsbeck, this tune isn't either from him or from Heiko Rootman. You mixed up the credits with Blue Bites Battle Isle. That this tune from Battle Command was composed by Jonathan Dunn." Uh, so I don't know that I because I don't usually get my stuff from YouTube comments if I can help it. And this one I don't remember getting from there. Let me look. Okay, this is this is Dunn did the C64 version. Um, apparently also it is the X-Specky version. But don't know. I'm not seeing anything specifically tying him to the Amiga version of the game. Or to the, yeah, the Amiga version. Let me look up so, something here. Hang on. Battle Isle is a game that exists. That's what I was looking up. Yeah, I'm not finding anything specific that ties heels back to the Amiga. In fact, I'm not finding anything that ties anybody in particular to the no, Amiga. No, me neither. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, you know, uh, question mark. Could have been Jonathan um, Dunn, I guess. And if that's the case, been. then he would by far be the one that we brought the most because then I would have brought him three times to this episode. <laughs> I mean, definitely any of these guys deserves deserves a lot of spotlight time. So, um, yeah, this is uh, this is really nice, man. I uh, really enjoyed this. What in particular did you fall in love with about this one? Because I know you were really digging this. Yeah, I mean, just those like really open, um, trancy scents at the very beginning were just it just like drew me in. I'm not even smoking anything, and I was just mm-hmm. like floating away, man. Yeah. It's so good. Hey, by the way. Uh, as we record this, it was election day in Ohio. Weed is legal in Ohio now after today. I saw it you finally that passed. In Discord, man. It finally passed. Congratulations. Indeed. Even though I'm leaving Ohio next year, um, yeah. it's still nice for yeah, everyone that is. still lives here, you know, to be able Chip, to partake. Chipping away, you know. I, I think once mo- once enough states do that, I think on the federal level it's gonna get uh, gonna get whatever dis it's gonna get taken off of the list, you know. So yeah, um, yeah, just keep keeping on chipping away at the wall. That's cool. Yeah, bo- both of the issues in Ohio passed today. Actually, issue one for the abortion and issue two for legal weed. Well, hopefully that bodes well for um, Ohio being a little bit more blue in the next election as well. Uh, that's something we could definitely use. But um, but I digress. I digress. Um, I'm happy for you, dude. But yeah, this this good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I've also been looking on the side for any anything else. But yeah, there's nothing nothing specific about the Amiga and the composer on this. Up. But any one of these guys deserves credit. So. Um, and this is uh, another one that I don't really know anything about. I mean, it's called Battle Command. I see that you control a tank around, and I'm assuming blow things up. Yeah, assuming so. Um, and this definitely looks like an original property, not a not a port. Or um, a, man, I'm losing my words. Not a licensed game. Yeah, yeah, this is original. It wasn't licensed. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess with that, what do you say? You want to get into something that is definitely Chris Hill's pack? Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. All right. So from the soundtrack that I had the hardest time narrowing narrowing anything down from. At one point I had I think five different tracks from this soundtrack on my list. That's a lot. And and yeah, I just I I ultimately came back to this one because it's the one that made me perk up the most when I was listening to it while I was on my walk last week. Um we're going to take a listen to Wormland from Super Turrican 2, released November 1995 and composed by Chris Hulbeck.
If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Coming up next, we're going to listen to Pals from Fighters Destined, released January 26, 1998, composed by Hideya Nagata, Makoto Asai, and Kenichi Sakai. Closing out my second block, we're going to listen to Chemical Wasteland and Haunted Mansion from Sea Devil, released June 16th, 1998, posed by Giles LaVey.
back in we are first talking about uh probably my favorite pound for pound my favorite soundtrack i explored for this episode okay this is <laughs> this is wormland from super turrican 2 composed by the the amazing chris Yulbeck. and are we sure title screen are we um, sure it wasn't yes, uh, uh jonathan sure dunn <laughs> we are sure this time. I made I made extra special sure because I, I knew that Jules Beck was known for the for the Turrican games. <laughs> I wasn't sure if he had done the SNES version, but he did. And uh, the title screen from um, from one of these Turrican games is one of those like like fallen level just pantheon video game music tracks. But this soundtrack, the uh, the quality is a lot more spread out just across the whole soundtrack. But but really, like I said, man, there were five tracks that I was cycling through while I was on my walk and just thinking okay which one of these am I going to pick and it could have been any of them this is just the one that I heard first and so it's the one that stuck in my head and it's 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 so 80s dude like it it's so 80s fun, and it's so good such a fun synth melody too in the back like it's yeah. so good it's so good it really does. It really does. Uh, like I mentioned, it was between this and my closeout for what I was going to close the show with because this just sounds like a fun credits theme, <laughs> which it's not. It's just a level theme. Uh, but in the end, I went with the longer track uh, for, for the closeout. But I, I could listen to this I could too. for hours. I could too. And I like that it's titled Wormland. It does have a little bit of, I mean, with the synths, right? It does have a little bit of that cosmic feel. Which I don't know if Wormland is meant to be like. I, I assume so, right? It's it's like yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a space yeah. Shmup, it's a space so, map. Yeah. So, um, but it also has a very triumphant feel to it too. This is a it sick does. track. Yeah, yeah. I I love this man. I, I love this track. Um, love this game. Definitely, like I've said for several of these, go back and and check out. I mean, you know, all the games we picked, all of Ocean's games. Go check out the soundtracks. But but this one is. Uh, this still isn't my favorite track of show. I think at this point that might now be the Inferno track. Hey, I did but, it. <laughs> but uh, uh, but this is my favorite soundtrack that I I listen to. It's so Fair. good. I mean, I think I think a lot of people that listen to these types of podcasts generally know, right? Super Turrican, Turrican Two, excellent soundtracks from start to finish, composed by Jonathan. Then, Dunn. Uh, <laughs> Moving on to a couple of games that I was not, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with the game Fighter's Destined for the N64, but never really thought too much about the soundtrack. Um, next game was totally an unknown for me, but uh, this is the tr game that I mentioned that is the only one that has Japanese composers because this was actually developed in Japan, but it was published by Ocean. And this really like this driving sound. I mentioned a couple of times when we listened that I just I love the bass in this track, the drum and bass, but the bass in particular. But that uh, that lead synth on the top is also really cool. Relatively short loop. It's about a minute and fifteen seconds, but just uh, really solid track. Yeah, I like and, this one a lot. and it sounds good for the N sixty four. It does sound like the N sixty four to me, like. It reminds me of other soundtracks that I've heard off of the Nintendo 64, so it does have that vibe. It has that feel. Um, but this is really clean for N64 music. I like this a lot. I don't know much about Fighters Destiny. I know it's a fighting game uh, and that there was a sequel, and I remember seeing it at like video stores back in the day. I never did play it, but it didn't seem that fun to me. <laughs> And I've, I don't think I've ever heard the soundtrack. This might be the first time I ever have. Yeah, I mean, this was just one of those sort of generic fighters. It's kind of like a... I feel like I remember this playing more like Tekken and Virtual Fighter than like Street Fighter, but... I mean, that's probably the case. I mean, it was the right time period for those. 
mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't remember much at all about this game. Um, I just know I was aware of it. But uh, solid soundtrack. But unlike Super Turrican 2, this track was definitely the one that stood out for me. Um, yeah, just just a you know cool track, cool track. And N64, you know, there's nothing else on our list from the N64. That's and, true. Uh, same with the same with the next track. Yeah, you is, definitely made sure to spread it out. <laughs> yeah, I that was definitely intentional. Bedrock delivering um, the spread for all of you <laughs> lucky listeners. Coming to us from the PlayStation, uh, we're nope, listening right. to. Uh, uh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Just keeping things moving on, because uh, I, you know, I know I tend to ramble. So, but thank you very much. Uh, bringing the the spread makes it sound like I'm I'm bringing the food. I'm like DoorDash now. Well, I, I met your legs, but <laughs> you know that's fine. Oh, nah, you don't want to, you don't want to get up in there, man. Um, (laughs) Unless you're Sev. But uh, yeah, coming to us from the PlayStation. We're listening to Jersey Devil. This is another mascot platformer. I guess I was wrong about the spooky season being over. Yeah, I guess, I mean, this is from the, you know, the Haunted Mansion. Also the Chemical Wasteland, a reused track. And this, uh, you know, very cinematic soundtrack. uh, The most cinematic, I think, of any of the ones we listened to. And this comes to us from a composer I had not heard of. And I'm hoping I pronounced right. Um, uh, I want to say maybe Guy Levey, but also Giles Lavelle or Giles Lavelle. I, I don't know. It's French. Um... French and uh, this was his first soundtrack for the PlayStation looking at Moby Games. He'd done some stuff for Windows and Mac. Uh, the Wallaby Jack series. Never heard of it but yep worked on those in 1993 and 94. Uh, he did did this for the PlayStation in 1997 and then did a few Bugs Bunny games. So he worked um, on a Wallaby game, a Jersey Devil game, and a Rabbit game. There you go. Um, also a Smurfs game. Uh <laughs> Then a couple of um, a couple of uh, fantastic you know, licenses, Go Diego Go and the Ant Bully. <laughs> All right, fair. But, um, but yeah, this um, this is another one where the soundtrack is just it's solid. I could have picked any number of tracks, but I went with this one because it's a waltz, and uh, it's been a while since we had a good waltz on the show. Do love a good waltz on the show, and it's got the spookiness, man. This is cool. I'd never heard this before. This is fun. Don't know uh, anything at all about this game. Um, Me neither. I remember seeing this, like, (laughs) cover art before. And the Jersey Devil is, I guess, a real thing, right? It's a cryptid, you know. I mean, I I guess it's not real, but I mean, it could be. You know, yeah, Yeah. the Mothman. We don't really Um, know. (laughs) Yeah. We don't really know. There are two YouTube comments on this. One is just a heart, and the other is, I can't believe this OSD is still amazing after years. This was my first PS1 game. I completed on Halloween last year. Uh, amazing game, but still good, good music sometimes. <laughs> good <laughs> uh, Halloween um, music, at least. Definitely. And I looked up, I feel like I saw something kind of cool about this game when I looked it up online. Uh, let's see. Um, the, the song, I'm have to go back over. <laughs> it's a relatively short song, but, but really cool. Uh, so Dennis is a mutated humanoid pumpkin, and he enters Dr. Knarf's lab with something he found in a small cage. He interrupts Knarf as he is about to dissect a mutant eggplant in order to show him the creature he had found. In the cage is the main character, Jersey Devil, as an infant. Um, <laughs> Uh, but man, let me, 
This looks wild. Um, let me see. Uh, it doesn't actually say anything about what the game is like. That's just the plot. Okay, gameplay. A platform game set in a 3D world with gameplay dominated by collecting icons and defeating enemies. Uh, your abilities include gliding in order to get out of Fatal Falls or to reach new areas. So, you know, 3D platformer. Uh, your primary mission is to stop Dr. Knarf and his army of mutated vegetables and prehistoric monsters. <laughs> you can punch, jump, and glide. So, nice. there you go. This was another... So 3D collect-a-thon. And this was just published by Ocean, right? This was another one much like Fighter's Destiny. Right, yeah. The developer here was uh, Megatune Studios. Because I see the, the Sony symbol in the corner, so I'm, I'm assuming Sony may have published it um, um, elsewhere. Yes, uh, looks like... Ocean, uh, Ocean published it in PAL region and S, uh, SCEA is that yeah, Sony, yeah, yeah, Sony, Sony of America, yeah, did Sony it Corporation yeah, Entertainment Sony America. America. Um, Megatune Studios behind quite a few games in the 2000s and then in the started in, in the 90s as Behavior Interactive. Um, they did gosh, no, lots of no, they started in the 90s as Megatune, they are Behavior now. They, they're that's the same studio that currently makes Dead by Daylight. Okay, and then they became Artificial Mind. Um, okay. No, they're still behavior. Wow. So, yes, uh, this is his Artificial Mind and Movement. Uh, From 2000 to 2010. They are now okay. behavior. There was a little bit of overlap. A little bit of overlap there. Yeah, they're, they're now behavior because, like I said, they do DVD, so... Uh, okay, interesting, because they did Behavior Interactive in 1997 and 1999, and then they did Artificial Mind and Movement, and then they went back to Behavior. Uh, but yeah, the DVD, um, lots of licensed games. Oh, they did Dante's Inferno, which we talked about last month. Did they? Looks like it. for Well, for the PSP, the, okay, maybe the same the, game. Uh, I think it might be a different, like, I mean, probably... Same game, but like a different like yeah, a port, yeah. just a, like a different developed by a different okay, team. Different take yeah. on it. Oh, and of course, I have to mention Doritos Crash Course in 2010 for the Xbox 360. Of course, <laughs> but, of course, of course. Yeah. Dead by Daylight, I think, definitely their biggest. Um, yeah, they hit game. gold with that. I mean, that's pretty much all they do now because it's it's kind of a cash cow. So why not? But apparently set to develop Silent Hill Ascension for Konami, looking at this list. But, yeah, Konami's, okay. so, yeah. Uh, you know, branching out Silent Hill to a bunch of different teams since they can't make it themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, seems to be a, a decent, decent pedigree for this. Um, but yeah, so that was my, my second block. And uh, I am done, except for my closeout. But man, I got to tell you, I am, I am excited. You've got a stone cold classic coming up in this Indeed. next Indeed. Your closeout is longer than my block and your block put together here. The last, I think, uh, two blocks. <laughs> I I think so. it just might be just might be but you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it though dude yeah it's, it's fun stuff I'm sure I will but before we get to that we will close out with my final block and yeah we have a big one here probably Dean Evans one of his more iconic pieces he's ever done let's take a listen to map from Waterworld this released on December 21st 1995 and again composed by Dean Evans
Coming up next, we're going to take a listen to in-game music from Where Time Stood Still, released sometime in 1988, composed by Fred Gray. Closing out this block, we'll be taking a listen to Chemical Industry from Batman the Movie, released September 11th, 1989, composed by Jonathan Dunn and Matthew Cannon. Thank you. 
coming back in, we are talking about Map from Waterworld. This was released again December 21st, 1995, composed by Dean Evans. Oh, it's so good. Oh, man. Yeah. I could so listen blind. to an extended version of this for hours and be content. And it's it's like a minute loop. It's not super long. I know it like it feels like if you did listen to this for like it would you know, feel unique sets, for three hours it would it's just I don't know how just, he did it such <laughs> me neither me neither it's, it's it's such just expert vamping this you know like I said while we we're listening this is Dean Evans at his absolute best oh yeah the, this and uh, until I discovered the Green Lantern soundtrack I had never heard anything quite like Waterworld it's just incredible and it has no business being this good yeah <laughs> License and the game. map screen of all yeah, things. Yeah, the map screen license game based on a movie, I think, of the same name, right? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, not a good movie either. Yeah, never <laughs> seen it. But uh, this is just perfection, dude. Like, literal ripped right with that vibe straight from late 80s, early 90s. It's sexy. It's everything. Oh, my God. This track is just so It is. It's it very is, sexy, by the way. This is a very that's, sexy that's, track. Oh yeah, that psychedelic guitar is just like I can picture the like the you know the acid trip background with like just the random floaty colors popping in and out Hell in different yeah. parts of the screen, like you know like puddles on on the surface of the cosmic ocean behind existence. Just, yes, yeah, this I'm is there. Just, I'm staring in uh, those puddles. I'm looking back at the reflection at me, and it's not me. <laughs> That's right, man. It's Dean fucking Evans. It's Dean Evans. <laughs> He's looking at me. Oh, man. He knew what he was doing when he composed it. Dean Evans is, I mean, traveling through the universe. That's that's what you hear. You know, they say they say space is, is silent. No, no. Dean nope. Evans is space. This is, it. This is the music. Dean Evans the is the universe. Right here. <laughs> the music of the spheres. Hats off, man. Barry this, would be mad if he heard is... us say that, though, because, again, they were. He would. He would. He, he definitely if, has that competitive or streak. Or if we were, but... uh, you know, talking up Alistair Brimble or something. <laughs> right. No Brimble on the episode. He was never with Oceans, so nope. I think we're safe there. But yep. uh, I, I will still say my new, like my, my new favorite discovery is still going to be that Inferno track. I, I love it a lot. Um, okay. So that was my... My favorite track, my, let's say my favorite not licensed track was Inferno. Uh, my favorite soundtrack was Super Turrican 2, but I mean, there is no track. It's, it's hard like, to argue with anything against Waterworld here. <laughs> like, th this is this has to be in the top five of all the tracks we have ever played on BG Media. I mean, this, this is so good. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm glad we've only played one track from this game before on previous episodes, so it pretty much gave me the ability to choose whatever. And this is just... To me, this is the most iconic one. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad it's we were able to play it. So good. And then we moved into a non-licensed game. I actually thought this was licensed at first, but it is not. Uh, we listened to the in-game music from Where Time Stood Still, released sometime in 1988, again composed by Fred Gray, the second time we're hearing him today, outside of the short circuit track earlier. This is an isometric, terrible-looking game, and very frustrating-looking game, where <laughs> you are walking around, it seems, as one person, and then you have these four, I'm assuming, AI or CPU-controlled party members walking in circles around you when you're standing still. Like, it's very awkward and very weird. And the entire purpose of this game seems to be to just, to like, kill these native islanders. 
that you are have landed on their island and and now you're taking over. Um, that that seems to be what this is, but there's dinosaurs and yeah, they got killer sheep and a pet T Rex. Yeah, so. so I mean, you know, they definitely took some liberties here, but uh, supposedly this is somewhere in the Himalayas, according to the plot. <laughs> Yeah. And apparently these guys are cannibals. That's why they're killing them. But still, they're just trying to protect their little huts, man. They want food. They see food walking around. So that's right. <laughs> I thought this track was fun, though, dude. It is fun. A lot more fun do, than do, the do, game do. books. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is nice this little is melody. A, this is a, bouncy. A bop. Yeah, it's yeah. bouncy. And the, the video is just hilarious. Whenever the characters get hit, oh, the they, dialogue they say, is atrocious in this game. Crikey, I'm hit, or damn it, I've been hit. Heck, I've heck, been hit. I've been hit. Help. <laughs> <laughs> There's not even an exclamation mark. It's just help. Yeah. Help. <laughs> T-Rex is Looks so bad. destroying then me. Then you just get bodied by a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Oh, so, so stupid. It's, but yeah, it looks... It, it, it sounds a whole lot more fun than it looks. It looks, it's, it looks very frustrating. I would have quit this game after just a few minutes. There's no way I would have stuck with this. But I do dig the soundtrack. I think it's fun what Fred Gray did here. I don't, I don't know. And he's again, he's not someone I'd heard of before this episode. Um, I like the instruments that he chose to use here. I think they're like I said, they, they have a bounciness to them that I do enjoy. It's interesting also that we heard something from him on the spectrum and something on the Amiga when the comments are all saying that he was apparently at his best on the C64. So, yeah, we might have to check have that to out one day. And yeah, up. Fred Gray, composer appreciation. Here we go. I will also say this. I mentioned that the game footage reminds me of the the horrible NES uh, game based on Bill and Ted's Excellent yeah, Adventure. Yeah, you did say that. But this game somehow looks even worse it, than yeah. that terrible game. It's oh, yeah, yeah, this doesn't look really good. Something. This is not anything <laughs> I would ever be interested to play. So, but cool track. I did enjoy that. Indeed. And then we closed out still my not quite final done with the block. Amiga. I know because we have another Amiga track. Another Jonathan Dunn track, but he was joined by Matthew Cannon for this one. We listened to Chemical Industry from Batman or Batman the Movie. I guess it's kind of referred to as both names. Released on September 11th, 1989. Also another game that Naoki Kodaka worked on a different version. Yeah, kind of funny how that <laughs> but, worked out. Yeah. But here are different soundtracks. This is not an arrangement situation. This this was uh, definitely a unique OST. That is true. Yes, they did have uh, very different uh, soundtracks from what I remember and what I've heard. Um, never played. And I, I think, are the games different too? I think the games are a little different as well. I think so. I know that the Genesis, NES, and Game Boy games are all different. Uh, NES and Game Boy look kind of similar, but they're different, like, level layouts and stuff. And the soundtracks are different. I've never seen the Amiga one in action, but I have to imagine it's also a different version. So. I would assume it is as well. I like this, though, dude. Classic Amiga sounds here. Um, you know, unknowingly, I brought three Jonathan Dunn tracks. I thought I was only bringing two, but <laughs> right. um, I think that just goes to show I mean, he really knew what the hell he was doing back then because... Yeah, I it's picked, a lot more active. I picked something that I thought was than, somebody uh, else that I really enjoyed. Lo and behold, it's him. Yeah. So he was I everywhere. Feel like there was another licensed track that he did that I don't think it was Ocean produced, but he did some version of one of the Jurassic Park games that's got some really good stuff on it. Uh, so it uh, doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about. It just popped into my head. So might be worth people checking out. But, but yeah, this was good. Did you listen to the rest of this soundtrack too? Was there anything else on there that stuck out to you? I did and no, nothing else really stuck out to me. This was the one that, you know, really just felt like if I was going to bring anything from the game, it was going to be this one. And then um, Matthew Cannon... 
I can't. Let me find. Let me see if he's on Moby Games. He is. Uh, not too many credits. I was going to say, I'm not finding much on him. Doesn't have a whole lot of stuff outside of late 80s, early 90s. Uh, he did work on RoboCop 2 for the Spectrum. Um... Okay. A book for the NES in 92. He did the sound. Oh, it wasn't the music. He did the sound for that. Um, oh, he did the music for Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball. I actually rented that game quite a few times back on the SNES. Wait, on the, I thought that was the Fallens. I don't know. It says Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball Music and Sound. Hmm. Maybe he worked with them on it. I know that they did at least some of that game. But um, Oh, yeah. No. So this game. So credits on that game is Chris Jojo, Paul Tonge, Matthew Cannon, Tim Fallen, and Jeff Fallen. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, excuse me. It's uh, I'm getting a little sleepy over here. I can tell. But Bored? <laughs> it's, uh, no, man. Boring I think episode just for you? Episode. It's, <laughs> been so, it's been so chill, so smooth. and, and um, But yeah, these tracks are, some of these tracks are a little longer than the ones we usually play, especially in my closeouts. So they've been making the episode last a little well, bit Well, uh, you know, I think four of the longer tracks were yours. So I only brought yeah, one lengthy yeah, track it's... today. <laughs> but man, it's been so good. I've enjoyed this episode just as much as I knew I would. Yeah, so, this was I'm... fun. And you have quite the closer to talk about here. Man, where to start? Um, so Martin Galway uh, is a very well-known name. He's up there with guys like Ben Daglish and Rob Hubbard, just as one of the C64 legends. Uh, different style than than those guys, especially different from Rob Hubbard. Rob was more of like the rock and roll C64 guy, and Martin Galway seems to have been more of like the classical or contemplative uh, sort of composer. This is the... We're going to be closing out with the music from a game called Parallax. I don't know anything about this stuff, but um, I'll say two things. First of all, listen all the way through. This this track has, it's it's almost 12 minutes, 11 and a half minutes long. It's got at least four distinct movements, and it is so trippy. Uh, if, if you like postmodern classical music, stuff like Ira Glass and things like that, um, then this is definitely going to appeal to you. Uh, if you really want the full experience, though, go onto YouTube and look up the oscilloscope version version of this um the c64 martin galway parallax uh if you want it oscilloscope is pretty much spelled like it sounds if you spell it they'll it, youtube will know what you mean um but it's one of the things that shows the waveforms on the screen while the track plays and it makes so much of a difference it's so <laughs> it's trippy, trippy it's dude. so it's cool insane <laughs> it's crazy you can you can just get lost in it, but especially for the last like minute and a half of the track, the oscilloscope view just really makes it. Um, uh, it I just I think that's really all I'm gonna have to say. You just gotta listen to. I it. was gonna it's, say this track is hard to discuss because it's it's I I want to say it's more sound than music, but that's not the case. Yeah, especially like what I thought of as movement three that starts around like the seven minute, 15 second mm -hmm. mark. Yeah, that's uh, when so that, melodic, that dude. comes in very melodic. Um, it, it is more harmonic, I think, in the other parts. The first part is really rhythm heavy, um, but also with those harmonies that they pan from left to right, but he's also using different voices. Like right now, he's using the two like top square wave voices of the Sid chip, but later on in movement two, he's using the, the second and third level voice and it's you can kind of hear it but you can't really fully appreciate it without that visual and at least I can't but it, it just yeah I mean that's 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 really it Martin Galway is is a composer I'm gonna have to look into a little bit more as well I think because we talked he, about him a little bit with Barry 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we you did brought because him up. he was one of yeah, yeah, he was one of Barry's like like idols. Uh, he was one of the big ones. Um, like I said, up there with Rob Hubbard and Ben Bagleish is the C sixty four Giants. Just uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to look into him a little bit more because he is such a big name in games, and I don't know as much about about his work. So yeah, definitely don't uh, don't skip out on this one early though. Listen all the way through. Wait for that little jingle that's always at the end of the episodes. Um, this one's crazy. You're in for a trip on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think also our earliest track on the episode. So this is like the the roots of Ocean Software. Um, yeah, you know, in their their audio. So yeah, nineteen eighty six. Year I was yeah. born. There we go. Indeed, this this track is as old as you are, man. <laughs> it is actually, yeah, because it came out in October. I was alive, so this track is basically just as old as I am. That's crazy. Thirty seven years old. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, this is this is wild. This is wild. <laughs> Anything to mention, plug, or talk about before we get out of here? Um, I will say that you know it's uh, it is the season. My um, my wife and uh, Dusk, my second child, and I have all been enjoying this year's rendition of the Great British Baking Show. If anybody out there has never checked it out, I would encourage you to. Um, even if it sounds like the kind of thing you would not enjoy at all, it is. It's so wonderful. It's so heartwarming. It it, it it's going to make you want to eat like all the desserts. So I will warn you about that, especially if you're diabetic like me. Be careful. But uh, <laughs> it's it's just Got so good. It's like the blues. opposite of so many American competition shows. Everybody is so nice to each other and so supportive, even though they're directly competing against each other. And I don't know. It's just good. It's just good stuff. So great British baking show. Go check it out. All right. I think Kyle and Lindsay did a media files on that way back in the day, didn't they? Yeah, they, yeah, they did. They yeah, did. Yeah. Um, Only reason I know you, uh, about that you know, show. If you're if you're in the baking, you know, and if you're in the if you're in America, it is Thanksgiving month. It uh, is so Thanksgiving um, as of the, know, when this episode posts. Thanksgiving is already next week, dude. Yep, that is right. That you is got your right. Turkey so in the, fridge. the episode that the episode that comes out around Thanksgiving might be a good one to listen to while you're getting some food ready. Just to, yeah, just saying, maybe. Yep. You already got your turkey? It, uh, no, we do not. Actually, we don't. We don't really make a turkey because we go over to my wife's parents' house for Thanksgiving every year. Okay. So we'll often do a turkey at Christmas. Um, but I don't cook the turkey for Thanksgiving. I've got a my brother-in-law deep fries it and um brings it over. So it's it's good stuff. I'm excited. They always save me a drumstick, which is sweet. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, I guess. That'll unfortunately bring us to the close of the show for this week, then. We do want to thank you for staying with us listening to another episode of BG Mania, made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. If you like video game music, more importantly, you like us and you want to help us grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Bedroth, what are we closing out with? Taking us out of the episode, we are going to go on a real trip <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with one of the greats from back in the C64 days. We're going to listen to music from Parallax, released October 1986, composed by Martin Galway. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.